Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you this morning to speak to our hearts and we pray that you open the eyes of our minds to see wonderful things in your word. We pray that you convict us of the sins against you and also show us our weaknesses and at the same time assure us that your grace is sufficient to make us live an efficient Christian life. We thank you for the hope that we always have in the gospel despite our wanderings away from you. We give you glory for the gift of eternal life in the person Christ Jesus and we thank you for also for your word which is a light unto our paths and our eyes and we pray that you give us your grace and mercy to live a life for the glory and honor of your name. Lord, you speak to us and encourage us and use us for your glory. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. By God's grace, we have gone through the journey of 10 chapters, and we are in the 11th chapter, going in detail, the heroes of faith that the author of Hebrews presents in chapter 11. And as we go ahead, I would like to remind you of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. He said that we make it our aim to please him. Do you hear that? We make it our aim to please him. And this is what Christian life is all about. It is a life aimed at pleasing God of the heavens and the earth. And we need to acknowledge that we are all pleasers. No one can say that I am not a pleaser. We either please ourselves or people. But the Christian life calls us to live a life holy and pleasing to God because God is the maker of our lives. He is the one who redeemed us by the blood of Christ. And it is to Him we are accountable and stand before Him on the day of judgment to give an account of our lives unto God. So pleasing God is not an option to a Christian. It is unnecessary to an unbeliever. It is purposeless to people who do not know Christ. But if we claim to believe in Christ, if we say that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, then pleasing God should be the aim of our Christian living. And one such person we find in the Holy Bible is the man called Enoch. And he is very famous Famous in a sense, not that the Bible speaks a lot about him. Famous in a sense that many people have his name, Enoch, a man who pleased God. And we see that about him in the Heroes of Faith in chapter 11. And I want to again remind you of the author's same year. Why is he mentioning about Enoch or the Heroes of Faith in chapter 11? As I told you a couple of times, because of these Jewish converts who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were facing vehement oppression from their 
Jewish brothers who did not believe in the Messiah. And they were tempted to go back to Judaism because they were afraid of the persecution that they were going through. And in order to encourage them and point them to Christ and to elevate the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the author of Hebrews was persuading these people not to turn away from faith, but in spite of the persecution, persevere in their faith and fight a good fight of faith and finish the race. And uh, one such person who fought such a good fight of faith is Enoch. And uh, in order for us to see the context in which it is said, I would like to show you first the chapter 6 and then come to chapter 11 because you see the connection in chapter 6 and also in chapter 11. I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 and 12 and hear what the author says over here. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now observe that in order to persuade them to have full assurance of faith until the end. He said that, look at those people. He says here that, be imitators of those people who through faith and patience inherited the promises. So he began his persuasion right from in chapter 6, where right after that he speaks about Abraham. And now in chapter 11, again he reminds them of those people who through faith and patience have inherited the promises of God and he is encouraging them to imitate these heroes of faith. We see here in chapter 11 verse 1, we have uh, heard this exposition in the past. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In verse 2, for by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. People of old received their commendation. And uh, Abraham was among them. And last time when we heard the sermon, Abel was among them. Because of Abel's faith, he was justified and God commended him. And after speaking Abel, he was the first person that we see that the author speaks about in chapter 11. And the second person now we see is in verse 5. And hear what it says about this man called Enoch. And the reason we are dwelling upon this man Enoch is not so that we acquire some information about this man. The reason we are looking into this man is so that through this person we would be persuaded to live a life pleasing to the living God. So we are not here for any mere accumulation of information but to experience transformation in our own hearts as we dwell upon this man Enoch. The scripture says here in verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found 
because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Wow. Just few words to be fine that we find in this chapter 11 verse 5 and then we generally quote verse 6 out of context and without faith it is impossible to please God but actually these words are said in the context in the light of the life of Enoch. So what we will do is we will look into this man who is this man called Enoch about him though little Bible gives a great testimony that he was a man who pleased God. In order for us to understand, we have to go back to Genesis 5 because it is there we see about Enoch and based on the information that we find in chapter 5, the author of Hebrews is describing in chapter 11. And we see in chapter 5 the list of primal fathers. Primal fathers are those fathers who lived at the origin of human existence. And we see a list of those people who lived a lengthy life. Amazing, like close to a millennium people were living at that time. Most of the people that we see mentioned here, they lived more than 900 years. Can you imagine 900 years? My goodness, I don't know. How much they were excited to live for 900 years without getting bored. Living so long in this world. But we see that from the beginning of Adam to Noah. Clearly mentioned in chapter, in chapter 5. There were 10 men who were mentioned. Who were the primal fathers. And among all the people who, who were mentioned in chapter 10. Enoch stands out the most. No one gets this testimony in chapter 5. After, after the fall of Adam and Eve as Enoch gets. And when we look at uh, this person called Enoch, we need to understand that there is a man called Enoch whose name was mentioned even before this man Enoch. We see that there were two Enochs in Genesis. A lot of people miss it, thinking that he is the only person who is mentioned. But even before chapter 5, there is another Enoch mentioned who was the son of Cain, who murdered his brother Abel. We see that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So there are two Enochs here. There is a place called Enoch, and also the man called Enoch who was the son of Cain. But there is another person, Enoch, about whom we see is described in chapter 11. And he was the son of Jared in the line of Seth. A very little information that we find about him in the Bible. And the mean, meaning of Enoch is dedicated, trained, disciplined. That's what his name means. And I think that's how we live. 
A lot of people have the names, but they don't live according to their names. But here we see a man who had a name called Enoch, a man of discipline, a man of dedication, and a man who was trained. And that is how he lived. And we see about him mentioned in Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. Let us gather some facts about him, and then we can see what applications we can learn from this man. In verse 18 it is said in chapter 5, When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Then all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. This is the only information that we have about him. And then a little more in chapter 11. Now some facts that we see that we understand in the passage is this. That Enoch was the son of Jared. And also the father of Methuselah. And Methuselah is known for living the longest life in the history of mankind. The man who lived 969 years. And also he was the great grandfather of Noah. We know much about Noah and much about him is written about Noah. He fathered uh, uh, Methuselah and Methuselah fathered Lamech and Lamech fathered Noah. And in the list of the lengthy lives that we see, these several fathers have lived, these primal, uh, primal fathers have lived. And most of them lived about 900 years. But Enoch in that list lived the shortest life. A man who lived the shortest life in that list of lengthy lives was Enoch. He lived only 365 years. Now, when we look at them, we may think that he lived the shortest life. But actually, if you think about him now, he lived a lengthy life. For example, if he had died in 2023, if Enoch had died in 2023, he could have been born in 1658. 1658. That's still a lengthy life to the shortest life that we people live at this moment. Enoch outshines in the dull genealogy. If you look at Genesis 5, it's a dull genealogy. You know, one person after the other being born and lived and his life outshines in that dull genealogy and he was renowned for two things. If you look at this passage, he was renowned for two things. And I think because of this, a lot of people have his name. Enoch. And the first thing he was known for is this. You know what? Enoch walked with God. Very rarely we see this sort of testimony mentioned about people in the Bible. The first thing he was known for is that he was a man who walked with 
God and that is mentioned twice in this chapter 5. We see that for the first time it is mentioned in verse 22. It says here, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. You know what is very outstanding about Enoch? He did not just walk with God. The Bible tells that he walked with God 300 years. What consistent, disciplined walk with God. It's not that at the beginning of his life, he walked with God, which is a testimony of many people today. And later, he became cold and stopped walking with God. The Bible testifies that throughout those 300 years, he was consecrated and walked with God. May this consistency, may this grand testimony be true of us also, that we are men and women who consistently, in a disciplined way, walk with God. We also see at the other time mentioned that Enoch walked with God in verse 24. Again, we see in verse 24, Enoch walked with God. I think the other men were not having such an intimate walk with God. Not even Adam, I think, because of his fall. But about Enoch, it is mentioned twice that he walked with God. Now, what does it mean to walk with God? Now, we need to understand that Bible uses anthropomorphism in order to convey divine truths to the readers. What is anthropomorphism? Anthropomorphism is the attribution of human characteristics to divine things. So when the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, it doesn't mean the way we walk with one another. When the Bible says God's eyes is on him, it doesn't mean that God's, God is really having eyes. His hand is upon his people. It doesn't mean that God is really having hand. The Bible makes it very clear that God is spirit and it doesn't have body. It is in the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we see that their divine nature or the divine essence embodied. But apart from that, we don't see God having any body. This is an anthropomorphic imagery, which means that in Septuagint, we see the translation is very different. Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Holy Bible. And if you read Septuagint, Chapter 5, verse 22 and 24, it translates, Enoch pleased God. Enoch pleased God. So when the Bible says Enoch walked with God, it means Enoch pleased God. And based on this Septuagint translation, we see the author of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 5, mentions before Enoch was taken away. He was commended as a man who pleased God. Before Enoch was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So walking with God and pleasing God is the same thing. When you say that I walk with God, I please God. If you please God, you walk with God. And if you cannot please God, you cannot walk with God. The other fact that we see mentioned about Enoch is that he not only walked with God, 
the bible says that god took enoch god took enoch you know if you read the list of the men mentioned in chapter 5 who lived the lengthiest lives and uh, you often find that it is written and he died 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 you often see that phrase but about enoch it is mentioned in verse 24 enoch walked with god and he was not for god took him it doesn't say that he died we see that you know what is very interesting when the bible says that god took enoch we often don't see actually uh, uh, how many years do you think adam lived he lived 930 years and do you know that when i was uh, even i didn't know that as i was studying deeper about uh, enoch i was surprised that this happened when god took enoch it is only after 57 years that adam died god took enoch right after the death of adam 57 years god took enoch and 69 years before noah's death if you do the calculation you know what is very interesting adam and enoch lived together 380 years adam was there when enoch existed but that testimony was not given to adam but it was given to enoch adam was the first man and we see that they both had this fellowship maybe adam taught and you know related a lot of things that happened in the garden of eden to enoch and it was so joyful for this man i think as he learned those stories but the bible says that god was so pleased with enoch that it took him and he did not die and we see that even more clearly mentioned in chapter 11 verse 5 when it says that by faith enoch was taken up so that he should not see death enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because god had taken him very interesting that one day he was living and suddenly he disappeared and realized that god took him off and he was no more existing in the world in the entire bible there are only three men who never saw death who never saw death uh, sorry uh, there are two men who did not see death and one man who did not remain in death the two men that we know are enoch and elijah they did not taste death but there was one person who tasted death but again he rose from the dead he did not live in the graveyard and that is the lord jesus christ now the question that comes is that how did enoch walk with god how did enoch please god and why should we bother to know this because if you are a genuine believer this should be your concern when i was born again and when i became a christian and when i was reading the bible which i never read and were seeing this man the thing that was really provoking my soul and made me so unrest is that i want to imitate this man called moses i want to imitate this man called abraham and when i look at this man called enoch i want to imitate him this is what happens when a person when people are born again non born again people 
nominal Christians, superficial people, when they read this, nothing is provoked in the soul. Because God's seed is not in them. They have no desire, no hunger. When they hear these words, I want to be like this man. And let me tell you, the Bible reveals that you and I can live a life like Enoch. Enoch was in flesh and blood. Enoch was ordinary man. He was not a supernatural being who lived a life like that. No. The Bible tells that you and I can live a life like this. That is what he says that be imitators of such people. And we have to know how did Enoch walk with God and please him. We see that this is how it happened. In verse 5 and 6, after it is mentioned that Enoch pleased God and walked with God, in verse 6, that's the key of how to live a life pleasing to God. How to live a life walking with God. And hear this carefully, the description mentioned about Enoch. After that he pleased God. How did he please God? Verse 5, it says he pleased God. Verse 6, it says... And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Now hear this carefully. The scripture doesn't say, without faith, it is difficult to please God. We don't see that's what the scripture says. It says that without faith, it is impossible Will you all repeat with me? Impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, what do we understand by that? We understand that to walk with God means to live by faith in God. To please God means to please Him by faith. Now, I need to describe here what is faith. And a lot of people think that when you read verse 1, that is the perfect definition of faith and I would like to tell you that Hebrews 11.1 1 is not an absolute formal definition of faith. In fact, I agree with the Bible scholar B.F. Prescott saying that the object of the writer of Hebrews is not to give a formal definition of faith but to bring out characteristics of faith which bear upon his argument. What he was saying is that his argument was you cling on to faith and God has promised you eternal inheritance and faith is something that you cling on to even if you have not seen and the assurance of hope you have not touched tangibly. So in that argument that there is heaven for you which you have not seen and if you have faith in God you will persevere in that because faith is having the assurance of hope of the things that you have not seen. In that argument he, one aspect, he describes what faith is. It is not the absolute definition of what faith is. But as I have gone through the Bible a couple of times and looked upon faith, this is my description of what faith is. Now hear this carefully. The description of faith is. Maybe you can repeat with me so that we can pay even more attention and allow this uh, description to sink into our hearts. Faith is... Trusting God for who He says He is and what He says He did, doing and will do. 
That is what faith is. Don't you think so? When you go through the whole Bible, you trust in God for who He says He is. When He says, I am holy, you trust in the character of God. When God says, I am loving, you trust in what God says about Himself. And not only you believe in what God says about Himself, you also believe in what God has spoken. What God says He did in the past. When the Bible says that He led the Israelites through the Red Sea and torn apart the Red Sea. Have you been there? You have not been there. But the Bible says that this is what He did. By the word of His mouth, He made the heavens and the earths. And you believe what God did. And Bible says that He is still doing all things works for good for those who love God and who have been called according to His purpose. You believe that God is active in your life. You believe that God is in control of your life. And you will also believe what God says He will do. That all those who die in Christ, they will be resurrected to eternal life and God gives them eternal inheritance. So we see here that faith is trusting God for who He says He is and what He says He did, doing and will do. Now I would like to also tell you that faith is not just a profession of Christian beliefs. Do you believe in the one true God? Yeah, I believe. Do you believe in Trinity? Yes, I believe. Do you believe Bible is God's word? Yes, I believe. It's not just a profession of Christian beliefs or Christian doctrine. Now hear this carefully. The professions that we make by faith shape your Christian living. This is what in many churches they profess. They just confess doctrines and theology and all these things. But when you look at the lives, their lives are not shaped by what they confess they believe. Now that is not faith is people. Faith shapes your life. Now the question that comes over here is that how is faith exhibited in real life? How is faith exhibited in real life? And we see that this is how Enoch lived his life in reality. This is how you and I can live our lives in reality, a life that pleases God. It says here that Enoch pleased God by having faith in God's existence. Enoch pleased God by having faith in God's existence. Verse 6 says here, describing about Enoch, that he pleased God, and this is how he pleased God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And that's very obvious to us that Enoch believed in God, and he believed that in God's existence. And that's how he pleased God. And what comes to us before us is this. Then what is pleasing God actually? What is pleasing God? Now in order for me to explain to you what is pleasing God, you need to see immediately in chapter 6 verse 5 where it says what is it to displease God. It says here in chapter, five, in chapter 6 verse 5 after God created people right at the very beginning of Human existence we see here. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart 
was only evil continually and the lord regretted now that word regretted is he was displeased that he made man on the earth and it grieved him the word grieve speaks about displeased to his heart now what is pleasing god in light of what genesis chapter 6 says and genesis chapter 5 says now hear this carefully dear brothers and sisters this is what is pleasing god and this should be the aim of every believer of the lord jesus christ pleasing god is bringing delight or pleasure to god's heart by living according to his will shall we repeat once again pleasing god is bringing delight or pleasure to god's heart by living according to his will how do you displease god put the opposite way displeasing god is bringing grief regret to the heart of god by living a life against god's will we can put that in opposite pleasing god is bringing delight to god now this is where i want to give some clarification because people confuse between pleasing god and god's love for them and i want to make it very clear hear this carefully pleasing god is not earning god's love and this is where i see a lot of people are mistaken they think that to please god means you are trying to earn the favor of god or the love of god no nobody can earn god's love pleasing god is not earning god's love but making efforts to please him for unconditionally loving us we don't please him because he can love us we please him because we are unconditionally loved by him and we are so grateful to him that we please him now the bible says that you know please god by having faith in god's existence now i need to clarify here that believing in god's existence is not a mere intellectual acknowledgement and if that is the case there is no big deal in pleasing him when you look at the bible when it says that uh, you know please god by believing in god's existence there are two aspects when you believe in god's existence one is intellectual belief in the existence of god intellectual belief in the existence of god and so many people today believe and not only we who believe even other religious faith also claim to believe isn't it hindus believe in the existence of god muslims believe in the existence of god and so many religions claim to believe in the existence of god and much more you know what the bible says in james 2 the demons believe in the existence of god so there is no big deal just in believing intellectually in the existence of god if you say that i'm not an atheist i believe in the existence of god let me tell you it is no big deal for there are many companies who also believe in the existence of god but the second aspect is what is missing and that is found only in true believers and the second aspect of believing in the existence of god is this you know what it is a life lived in the consciousness of god's existence a life lived in the consciousness of god's existence which ultimately leads us to live a god fearing life 
Do you understand that? It is a life that is engrossed in the awareness of God's existence and ultimately leading to live a God-fearing life. So when Bible says that Enoch lived a life that is pleasing to God and he believed in the existence of God, it means that he constantly lived for 300 years in the awareness of God's presence which led him to live a God-fearing life. Now think about this people. Is this true about us? If you examine your heart honestly, can you say that I constantly live my life in the awareness of God's presence? Or when people look at us and say that here is a man, you know these days, we hear in the past, I was listening to Steve Lawson about God-fearing life recently and he was telling that in the past there were this kind of testimonies which we hear no more. Now, presently. In the past we used to hear that here is a God-fearing man. Here is a God-fearing woman. We hear such grand testimonies about God-fearing people. But do we hear such testimonies today? Do we hear these days? He is a God-fearing man or she is a God-fearing woman. But I think that should be the life that we should live. And that's how Enoch soaked his life in the awareness of God's presence. We are so aware of the mobile phones, right? That every time, if you, if you, every time, every moment you get, a, you get a chance, you stick to the mobile phone. What does it say? You are so intimately attached to the device. You believe more in the existence of mobile phones than in the existence of God's presence. So brothers and sisters, please let me tell you, when the, when the when Bible speaks about believing in God's existence, it is not speaking against just atheism and theism, intellectually believe that there is God. No, when Bible speaks about believing in God's existence, it calls us to live our life, conduct our life, organize our life, direct our life in the awareness of who God is and living in His presence. If you want to see who lived a life like this, who constantly lived in the presence of God, you need to read Psalm 139 and just see the description how he was engrossed in the presence of God and constantly lived in the awareness of God. You might have read this before, but in the light of my description of God's existence, now follow carefully, brothers and sisters, these beautiful words described by David in Psalm 139. I love the way I, I wish I would read the whole psalm because the whole psalm is a life lived in the presence of God. How conscious was he? You see from verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. Do you see a man who merely intellectually believes in God's existence here? No. He says that, you know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. Even thoughts comes before, my, even thoughts come in my mind before that, you know. Verse 3, you search out my paths and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Verse 5, you hem me in. Behind and before and lay your hand upon me. You have absorbed me in you, O Lord. 
and you have encircled me with your presence you see that's what he says verse 6 such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot attain it verse 7 you see how humbling and transparent and devotedly written these words in verse 7 where shall i go from your spirit or where shall i flee from your presence if i ascend to heaven you are there if i make my bed in shoal you are there if i take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me how precious to me are your thoughts of god how vast is the sum of them if i would count them they are more than the sand i awake and i am still with you do you see a man who merely believes in theism just an intellectual knowledge as many of us confess that hi believes in the existence of god do you see a man like that or do you see a man much more he didn't just believe in the existence of god but lived constantly in the presence of god and constantly praying in his heart unceasingly even when people do not see he is so aware that god's presence is always with him and because of that i told you right believing in the existence of god has two aspects and the second aspect is that living constantly the awareness of god's presence which ultimately leads you to live a god fearing life you see in psalm 139 after he speaks about how we constantly dwell in the presence of god you see in verse 23 what he says pay careful attention brothers and sisters to these words in verse 23 and 24 and because he lived a life like that he says in verse 23 search me o god and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting a true walking with god a genuine life that is lived in the presence of god ultimately leads to a god fearing life and that's how enoch lived because of whom it is said he pleased god and that's how we must live if we aim to live a god pleasing life not merely confess but constantly walking and living and being intentionally aware of god's presence in our lives based on enoch's life i love what uh, richard philip says bible commentator he says that this is the christian life what is it it is not a bare knowledge of facts or a grim recitation of doctrines just parroting just saying that i believe in god the father almighty i believe in the holy bible i believe jesus christ died for my sins i believe in so and so it is not grim acknowledgement of the facts he says that to be a christian is to walk with god to know him and to live in the light of his presence to be a christian is to walk with god to know him and to live in the light of his presence oh my goodness how much i long and pray that god would give me this kind of life that constantly live in the presence of god and that's how enoch lived with god and walk with god and please god in the midst of the moral corruption of his generation you must be thinking that this is the primal stage of the human origin so there was so much of godliness but bible testifies that right after the fall of adam and eve who committed one sin 
that became so contagious that immediately in a few generation the earth was full of sin and corruption and depravity so much so the jude says that in the time of enoch this is what this is what enoch prophesied you know what he prophesied imagine the ungodliness that was prevailing in the time of enoch and yet he walked with god please god and lived in the presence and the fear of god Jude 14:15 Jude 14:15 Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied saying behold the lord comes with 10000s of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him you can imagine the moral corruption that was prevailing because of which god led him to prophesy this judgment upon the human kind and yet the bible says that even in that midst of moral corruption and depravity enoch walked with god and pleased him what does it mean that enoch walked with god and pleased him it means that he believed that god existed and therefore he lived constantly in his presence and walked in his fear now hear this carefully people in the bible according to the holy bible you cannot separate the fear of god from living in the presence of god you cannot separate the fear of god from living in the presence of god a man who lives in the presence of god is bound to walk in the fear of god and a man who doesn't walk in the fear of god has no consciousness of the presence of god in his life you know when i when i think about this i'm reminded of the total depravity that is prevailing in the generation today and right from the time of creation the bible tells that in romans chapter 3 verse verse 3 verse 18 there is no fear of god before their eyes there is no conscious living in the presence of god that's the state of every person who is apart from god and i'm telling you that if you are a person who do not enjoy the presence of god who is not constantly walking in the presence of god and you do not possess the fear of god let me tell you you're lost in this state and the state is that there is no fear of god before their eyes please don't think that just because you come to church you fear god a lot of religious people go to church every sunday a lot of religious people read the bible a lot of religious people pray a lot of religious people claim themselves to be christians but there is no guided power of the presence of god and the fear of god in their lives and this is a total depravity this is a fallen state of man but you know what would happen when you are redeemed from this total depravity the bible says that in jeremiah 32 verse 14 this is the true experience of believers it says that and i will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn away from me how do you know a person is truly born again or not not because he had full hair before born again and now he is bald head 
not because he had mustache and now he removed it not because he was dressing in a very dirty way and now he dressed very decently these are all external things people one great evidence that you know a young man or a young woman or a old man or a old woman no matter who soever the person is you know that this person has been born again has been redeemed by Christ is this that the fear of god comes upon the person that's one of the great signs of a born again christian religious people have no inclination and even if they do they have only external fear but the true fear that the bible speaks about has not happened and this fear only comes when jesus delivers people from the bondage of sin because in the bondage of sin there is no fear of god and you know people let me tell you why jesus died on the cross the reason jesus died on the cross is so that he would deliver you and me from living in numb state in a numb state of god's god's existence you don't understand the numb state where there is no fear there is no experience of god to deliver us from a life which doesn't fear god that is why jesus died a lot of people think that jesus died for my sin for my sin what sin are you speaking about the sin of not living in the fear of god the sin of not living in the presence of god it is from that sin that jesus has died for our sin and he rose from the dead and let me tell you that only christ can deliver us from that godless state and if there is any person here who is a nominal christian living such a godless life i encourage you to repent and believe in the one so that what is said about enoch that he walked in the presence of god would be true of us and you know the second thing the bible says is that enoch please god by having faith in god who rewards enoch please god by having faith in god who rewards we see that in chapter 11 verse 6 the second part of what the bible says about what it means to live by faith in god and to please god for whoever would draw near to god must believe that he rewards those who seek him niv translates who earnestly seek him diligently seek him search him now what does it speak about enoch who please god if this is what true faith is it speaks about enoch that enoch believed in god which means he earnestly sought god in his life he was not sluggish he was not lazy he was diligent in seeking god people let me tell you true faith in god leads us to earnestly seek his face true faith in god leads us to earnestly seek his face it's not that i believe in god but you really believe there is god there you love to seek him you love to enjoy him you love to see that he rewards those who earnestly seek him you know yesterday i was at a premarital seminar and i have seen some girls were asking some wonderful questions and one question that was asked to me was uh, anna what do you think that uh, when i when i marry a man uh should we be equal in maturity or what do you can what do you think about the maturity levels and you know what i told i told to that young woman is that if you marry a man because i've been a pastor for many years and i've learned this lesson and i told 
heard that if you marry a person, make sure he is little mature than you, so that he would guide you spiritually, so that he would counsel you, so that he would nourish you spiritually, and you can look up to him to guide you. And I told that I am so sorry, your sisters, there are many men here, and I told that I'm, I apologize. Many men here are not like that. They are so sluggish, passive, carnal, no diligence seeking of the Lord and growing in Him, that I'm so sorry that I cannot show such men today that here is a man who really diligently seeks God and is mature than you. Can you marry him? It is hard to point to such men. And I tell you, men here, please don't be sluggish. Please don't be lazy. Please don't be passive in your Christian living. Look at this man, Enoch. He did not just believe in God. He diligently sought him. How blessed was his wife to have a man who walked with God. How blessed were his children, Methuselah, one of the sons of Enoch, to have a man who walked with God. And I'm telling you, if there are any sisters here, blessed are you if you have a husband who is walking with God. Blessed are you if you have a father, children, who is walking with God. Pleasing God. Earnest desire is to live and die for the glory of God. And I'm so sorry for you sisters. If you have such pathetic husbands who are so lazy that they have no diligence and discipline to seek the Lord and grow in the Lord. And may the Lord sustain you. Give you grace. Pray for your husbands to change and become like this Enoch. Pray for your fathers, children. If you have fathers who do not live like a life of Enoch. Arise, men. Arise. If you are single, make sure that there are some singles here. Make sure that you are giving yourself as a man who walks with God so that the person with whom you are getting married would be joyful and grateful that she has married a man like you who fears God. Not regrets that. From where did I get this sluggard? Immature, carnal, passive man who claims himself to be a Christian but has no desire to walk with God but runs with the devil. May this not be the testimony of the ones whom you are going to marry. Rise up and seek the face of the Lord. And you know what it says in light of what Enoch did in Psalm 14 verse 2. Psalm 14 verse 2 says that the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. Are we the persons who is looking down from heaven? Is there anyone who seeks me? And how much it took delight in a man? Enoch. Because Enoch sought God. 300 years every day. His heart was after God. His longing was after God. His heart was to be saturated in God. And that is why the Bible says that God rewards those who earnestly seek him and Enoch was such a person and not even Enoch. And Bible says that God is looking for such people. Is that the testimony he can give us? Sister, you are the one God is seeking and is pleased because you seek him. Hey brother, you are the one God is pleased with because you are seeking him. Is this the testimony God gives when he looks down from heaven? You know one reason why so many don't seek God? Why so many don't seek God? I'm sorry to say this is true even in the churches today because they are still 
in the bondage of sin without knowing Christ. The Bible says that this is a state. How do you know people? People, I'm telling you, please, I beg you. There is so much of Christian jargon that goes in the Christianity today that you can easily believe someone to be a Christian just because they use those jargons, those terminologies, I believe, which we copy and just paste it in the mind. Yeah, Jesus died for our sin and rose from the dead. Yeah, Bible speaks about that. And you think that, oh, this person may be a Christian because he uses some Christian terminology. Please don't be in that deceived state. A person can use all the Christian terminologies and live a Christless life. And this is the total depravity state in Romans 3.11 says that no one seeks God. No one seeks God. That is a state in the bondage of sin. Now hear this carefully. You know why Jesus came down from heaven? Why did he sought man? Why did he come on earth? Why did he went to the cross? Why did he rise from the dead? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he offer his body? You know why he did that? So that he can bring you and me to a state to seek God in our everyday life. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. Do you see that? That he might bring us to God. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 clearly says that. Christ died to bring you to God, to bring you to see God, to bring you to long for God, to bring you to hunger for God. That is why Christ died. That is what it means to live a Christian life, not doing some religious activities and be happy that you are doing a great job in the Christian life. No, if you and I are not earnestly seeking God, we must really examine yourselves if that is a consistent pattern of life. Yeah? True believers seek God. Sometimes they fall in sin. Sometimes they fall in love with the self or with the world. But again, they are convicted because there is God's seed in him. But that is how your life is marked by not seeking God. No hunger and thirst for him. I'm sorry to say you are lost. And if you force that person, hey, seek God, seek God, seek God. They really seek God. Many times we are telling to dead people to walk with God. That is a problem with present day Christianity. Hey, walk with God. Hey, pray. Hey, read the Bible. Hey, hear the word of God carefully. They cannot. They are dead. Instead of they believing they are Christians, we should tell them, hey man, you are lost in sin. You have no desire for God. You have been walking with the devil. You have no longing for God. At least there would be some efforts on your part. You need Christ. Repent. And turn to God and Christ will resurrect you where you would seek God in your everyday life. Yesterday, when I was in the youth meeting evening, there is one statement that I told them. You know, in more than 25 years of my Christian life, I want to tell you something. You know what? I told them and I became very emotional when I said that. I can't live without Jesus. And I know nobody knows the agonies that I constantly suffer in my heart, longing for God in my life. Honest. If you are God who knows my heart, I know God knows how much I go through agonies every day. Agony, agony. Lord, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to walk with you. From where did this come? 
which wasn't there before because i became a christian because i became a believer because the spirit of god has come in my heart it is because god transformed me and when i become so busy in my ministry that i neglect god i become so desperate and dry and it will be like a fish taken out of water lord i need you i need you lord i love what andrew murray says here he says that faith seeks for god it believes that he is it keeps the heart open towards him it bows in humility and hope for him to make himself known to know god to see god in everything and everywhere in our daily life to be conscious of his presence so that we always walk with him this is the true nobility of man this is a life that faith lives this is a blessedness jesus has now fully revealed in the rending of the veil faith can walk with god faith can walk with god faith can see god faith can focus on god faith leads us to earnestly seek him and that is exactly the bible says here that whoever would draw near to god must believe that he earnestly rewards those who seek him now the question is what is the reward to those who seek him what is the reward now now hear carefully people of the grammatical construction here it says that anyone who draw near to god must believe that he exists the focal point there is the existence of god and then it says here that immediately it says that god rewards those who earnestly seek him now what is the reward here that god gives to those who earnestly seek him and based in the context based on what the scripture says i am fully convinced of what the noted bible commentator f f bruce describes you know what he says he says that the reward desired by those who seek him is the joy of finding him he himself proves to be their exceeding joy do you see that it says that the reward is none but god himself if god is the one you seek whom you will you get god himself if god is the one you long for whom you will get god himself and i and i see this is what the lord jesus said in john chapter 17 verse 4 when he says this is eternal life what is eternal life it is to know the only true god and jesus said i am the life people listen to this carefully eternal life is not an endless existence that is a vacuum existence eternal life is jesus christ he is the one who made all things by his glory and for his glory and the bible says that he is coming again to take us to be with him forever and ever so the bible says that if we seek god we will find him and we will be earnestly devoted to him you know what is the interesting thing in these words the interesting thing is not that enoch was taken away without facing deaths a lot of people focus on that they are lost actually because we are often are uh, 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 you know fascinated about the supernatural that he didn't face death you know what is the beautiful thing about that the beautiful thing about this phrase is not that enoch did not face deaths you know what is the beautiful thing enoch enoch walked with god 
and God took him and he was no more. Which means that God took him to be with himself. That is the beauty, the grandeur of this verse. That God so was pleased with him that it took him to be with himself. And that is the beauty of this. It's not facing it. What's the point? He didn't face death, but he went to godless eternity. You think it's a great thing? There is no great thing in this man who did not face death, but went into godless eternity. He went where God is. And that's the beauty of this scripture. You know why I say this? My dear brothers and sisters, it is not just God took Enoch. The Bible says that he is coming again to take his people to be with him. It doesn't matter if you face death or not because that is not the goal. The goal is that God wants his people to live with himself. That's exactly what we see. Hebrews 9.28 says that so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The Bible says that he is coming again. The Bible says that he is coming again so that as God took Enoch to be with him, he is coming again to take his dear children to be with him forever and ever. My question, dear brothers and sisters, is will you be there with him in eternity for his glory? Decide whether it is. And is this longing there in your heart? Lord, come soon. I want to be with you. You may have family, you may have children, you may have job, you may have all these things. But Lord, this is not the end of my life. My end of my life is to be with you forever and ever and ever. And I believe that the Bible says here, He is coming those who are eagerly waiting for Him. He is not coming for those who just parrot saying that I believe in the gospel. I believe in the second coming of Christ. And I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the church covenant. But there is no longing and earnest desire waiting for Him. Lord, come and take us to be with you forever and ever. He is coming for those people. If you are a true believer, you will be resurrected today. Lord, I am sorry that I am not longing for you. I want to long for you. And if you are not born again, I encourage you to please believe in the one who died for you and is coming again to take you to be with you, to be with him forever and ever. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, let us not be absorbed in the affairs of life. Be faithful, be diligent in your responsibilities, but look into this man, Enoch. Believe and organize our lives in the consciousness of God's presence and earnestly seek him and long for his coming so that we can be with him forever and ever. Shall we all rise on our feet and pray? Talk to God, people. Talk. If you have God's seed in you, if you have God's word in you, if you have God's spirit in you, you love to connect. You love to talk. You long for him. And you love to be with him. Heavenly Father, at this time, we come before your throne of grace and humble ourselves before you. And we thank you for the life of Enoch. Thank you for teaching us this morning about his life and how we pleased you by faith in you. And when we examine ourselves, O oh Lord, we see how far we are from the life that he lived with you, before you, in you. But Lord, we want to be like him. Be like him in 
walking, living in the consciousness of presence. Be like him in living in your fear. Be like him in the way he earnestly sought you and rewarded him. You rewarded him with yourself and that's why you took him to be with you and placed him in your presence eternally. The greatest gift you have given him and the reward you have bestowed upon him. And we pray, Lord, that you come and take us to be with you forever. Lord, we don't want to live in this world forever and ever. This world is full of sin, full of distractions, O Lord. And our hearts often wanders away from you. And we pray that you please do come and remember us. When you come, you take us to be with you and help us to dwell in your presence forever and ever. In your name, O Lord Jesus, we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com You may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com I repeat c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at gmail.com Grace and peace be to you.